No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. didn't jinx it because I was very worried because we mentioned it at the end of the Rich Woodall show that we were going to have Ed Brissett on this week and lo and behold, he's here. Yes, we, we did it. I we hate doing it. that. I hate mentioning other guests that haven't happened yet because I don't want to jinx it. Because so. sometimes things come up and they're busy outside of comics or they're busy with family stuff and this pandemic has everybody busy with other things uh, that they normally wouldn't be busy with. So when we mention somebody, sometimes we get kind of scared if they're going to be able to like show up to the podcast or not. But you know, oh, go ahead, Kev. I'm sorry. I was going to say, but one of the positive things about a pandemic is most people are at home, so yeah. they're going to want to record. They better a be, damn it, as opposed to running around like a bunch of assholes, not wearing Without masks. masks. Yeah. <laughs> but Ed is on. You know Ed from his work on Iron Fist, on the X Men, all yeah. kinds of stuff. He's got a new Kickstarter coming out. It's actually out right now. He's got like 15 days left. It's called Catch a Release. He's going to tell us all about that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, and Brissett, everybody. Ed Brisson. How's it going? It's going okay, man. It's going okay. Is that is that the famous Ed Brisson Baja you're wearing right now? Like, is yeah, that I'm, it? I'm wearing my drug drug rug. It's winter, so and my office is in the basement. So uh, I usually, if I'm working at night, I, I throw it on just to just keep cozy. That's awesome, dude. Can can you pull back so we can get a full view of that thing? Because it looks pretty epic. It's uh, you know, it's just yeah. Look at that, dude. It's it, it, what it is. That's awesome. <laughs> It's straight out of 1999, but yeah. it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and like we have a pretty nice size surf community, and those things were all the rage back yeah. in the day. So yeah, it's a, the surfers who brought them up. I, I I know too much. I don't claim to be an expert, but like was reading up on them, and it's apparently surfers that brought them up to North America from Mexico because they were popular down there for. Because they're they're pretty like weirdly versatile. They'll keep you warm during the winter, but they're actually kind of cool. Uh, during the summer okay cool as in like temperature wise yeah i don't, I I don't. <laughs> dude, I, I think it's a good look man you rock it you rock that right. thing quite well yes yes i would agree and i like the way you called it a drug rug i've never heard of that before yeah that's a, that's how we referred to it where i was where i grew up okay all right now tell me why i gotta hear why did you guys call it drug rugs it's all the people who who did drugs wore them <laughs> It sounds so like it's when you say it, it sounds so kind of innocent and fun. Like, well, all the people who did drugs wore yeah. it. But I feel like I, if I said that or if Kevin said that, it would come across as like crass and judgy. Ah, man, it, it it's would. just like if you if you wanted to score some acid, you just look for one of these and chances of the person wearing it would tell you would tell you where you could. That's awesome. I like, that he, I like that he's bringing it back. I like that, yeah. that it's not a, a, a popular fashion statement today, but you enjoy it, so you're going to wear it anyway. Ed Brisson, bring in back the Baja. Well, I, it doesn't leave the house. 
Okay, oh, I was gonna ask you, so like when you go to the grocery store, do kids come up and you're like, hey, old man, where can I buy some weed? No, not at all. <laughs> it's literally, I just wear it, uh, I just wear it in my office while I'm working. It's like, it's like my version of a Mr. Rogers cardigan. That's cool. I, I come right. down here, I change, I, I literally take off my shoes, put on a pair of slippers and throw on my drug rug and uh, get to work. <laughs> Now, like Mr. Rogers, do you have a song that you sing? When I was going to ask the same question. I, I do not. I do not have a song, but I should work on it. It's yeah, yes. I mean, it's not like you don't have tons of other things going on. I'm sure you got yeah. a couple of minutes to just put a song aside. Sure. Why not? Yeah, man. Well, uh, Ed, you have a Kickstarter that you're currently uh, currently running. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Tell us all about the Kickstarter that Ed Brisson is running. Okay, so the Kickstarter is for a book, uh, a standalone. Uh, hardcover graphic novel, which is called Catch and Release, a murder book story. Uh, for those not familiar, uh, murder book is a crime series that um, I've written for about a decade now, although it's been about five years since. Uh, so I, I guess I should just say I wrote for five years from, from 2010 to 2015, uh, which used to be short, um, about five to 20 page crime stories. Um, that I, I wrote and self-published. Uh, I used to put them up online and then Dark Horse collected and released them back in 2015 in a, in a uh, trade paperback sort of anthology format. Um, but uh, Murder Book is that series that I always wanted to get back to, wanted to do more. And so when this pandemic struck and um, I all of a sudden had a, a, a shit ton of time on my hands, I decided to sort of get back to it and ended up writing <clears throat> Uh, like I, I, when I sat down to write the story, I, I didn't have a, an outline. This is the first time where I've sort of written without an outline, just the inciting incident, just kind of wanted to go. Uh, I'm a huge Elmore Leonard fan, and this is how he claimed he used to write all the time. And I always thought, as much as I love Elmore Leonard, that it was kind of bullshit. I couldn't imagine. Like the, the, an outline gives you, you know, a safety net. You know what you're doing, and, and, and it gives you some guidance. So just kind of writing with that one was... A bizarre experience but I felt it, it worked well like I I just kind of let the story breathe and, and and go where it needed to go and uh, originally I thought it was gonna be a 20 page story it ended up being uh, uh, nearly 70 pages so Damn, I decided to do a uh, a uh, standalone graphic novel with it um, with uh, Lissandro Saren who I worked previously uh, with on a book called The Last Contract that came out through Boom also in 2015 um, but essentially the story is about, uh, it's about an out of work. This guy's out of work, he's kind of broke. He's, he's about to be evicted from his place, uh, all sort of jazz and he steals a car. And he initially sort of tells himself to, you know, they steal in this car because it's something he used to do when he was younger. Uh, and he just kind of wants to see if he can still do it. Like he's still got it. Which like the irony of me, you know, coming back to the murder book after five years, trying to see if I've still got it. like. Uh, that was one of those things that popped up that wasn't uh, intentional, but uh, uh, definitely my subconscious fucking around with me. But um, yeah, he, he steals a car and, and now that he has it, he's like, well, you know, he may as well do something with the stolen car. And so along with a, a friend of his, they come up with this plan because they don't have the paperwork that they could actually sell the stolen car. They don't really have the network that they could like maybe part at the car. So they come up with this plan to lists a car for sale um, and sort of lure uh, unsuspecting buyers out to a, a remote-ish location where then they can then rob them for the money that they were going to buy the car with. All right. Um, 
which is actually a thing that has, uh, it's not something I've made up. It's, it's something that has, uh, uh, has happened in the past. Um, there was a, a murder a few years ago uh, about one of those, one of these sort of deals gone wrong. But uh, so that was, that's sort of the inciting incident. Uh, on the other side of it, we have a, a Samar, who's a, a student who lives uh, here in Halifax. And um, he's about to travel in two days to Vancouver, which is clear across the country. Uh, and his car just up and died. So he needs to buy a new car and he needs to buy it quickly. So he doesn't have, you know, he's not necessarily going to have the time for all the due diligence that we might do with, um, you know, taking it to the garage, getting checked out. He's going to rely on his own limited expertise. And of course, that just puts him, you know, right in the, the crosshairs of um, our, our car thieves. And the story sort of spins out from there. The deal goes bad. It goes wrong almost right away. And so the whole story is about dealing with uh, the consequences of what happens on this day when they when they try and rob these uh, two unsuspecting students and his friend. That's awesome. Now, um, there's so much there that I want to kind of dissect from what you're sure. telling us. Um, I guess the first thing would be, uh, you are kind of like the Ted Williams of crime writers. Like you are, when it comes to comic crime, you are the man. So like, are, do you feel any pressure kind of dealing with that reputation going into this book? I don't know because I don't, I don't see myself as having that. Like I, I don't, uh, I don't really consider that. I just, it's crime is just a genre I love writing. So I don't really think about um, how, how others view me as a, as a crime writer. Okay. Um, but uh, there definitely is some pressure in coming back to a series I wrote um, and, and then had put aside for several years. You know, you don't want to be like that. Uh, you know, the, boxer who hangs it up and then comes back and you know and gets schooled you know by by a younger boxer uh, i don't fuck i don't know where i'm going with that it's a good analogy <laughs> no, it's a good analogy <laughs> i just think about the tyson uh, fight that was last night anyway uh, now did you watch any of that no man, i i didn't want to watch it and i got enough my brother watched it and so i heard enough about it um but uh Anyway, it's just one of these things that, like, personally, I love writing crime. Um, but, yeah, it's any time you sort of leave something for a period of time and then come back to it, there's always that worry that um, you're going to fuck it up or you're not going to be able to, like, that by being, you, you've got ring rust and, and, and by being away from it for so long, you've just sort of lost your connection to it. Now, is it on purpose that um, your your story, this that your coming back story parallels the car thieves' uh Pat, like, is, is that on purpose? Did you do that on purpose? Because you're like, I don't know if I've got any ring rust and I'm going to bring not, it back. Not, no, uh, not initially. But when I looked at it afterwards, I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm a genius. Just, yeah, just one of those things that uh, uh, snuck its way in there. So clearly it was in the back of my mind, right? Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, there is, there is that worry, like coming back and doing something that you love, whether or not you can still do it, you know. I, I think in comics in general, there's sort of that rule, you know, whether it's unspoken that like when a creator does a run on something, uh, they leave and they just, you don't come back to it, right? You don't want to tarnish the memory of it. And so th th there was that worry for me, but uh, I think this is, uh, I'm incredibly happy with the story. And it, uh, it was um, just, you know, with the pandemic, it, it, it's been like, 
pandemic aside, it's kind of been a weird year for me uh, for other stuff. And so it was one of those things where I just needed to get back and sort of, uh, I hate saying get back to my roots, but that was part of it. Just kind of uh, feel that connection again, sort of center myself and, and feel what, uh, you know, just almost like rediscovering what excited me about comics in the first place. That's awesome. Now you said that you normally write from an outline, but this time you didn't. What does an Ed Brisson outline look like normally? Like how, what is your process for outlining your story? We had uh, a writer, Ram V on a couple weeks ago, who says he never works from an outline. He just right. goes. And I was, I started quaking in my boots here and that. <laughs> so like, I would like to know what an Ed Brisson outline looks like. That it all depends. Uh, I I find that I'll say something today, uh, you know, and then we'll check in in a year, and you'll be like, "Remember when you said how you outline?" And I'll be like, "Well, I used to work like that." Uh, <laughs> I, I, I constantly it constantly changes. So when I first started at when I was first um, doing creator own work, I I would do really loose loose outlines, and that would be like I would take a. a you know, a, a sheet of paper, like, you know, I, I keep these sort of yellow pads here uh, next next to my computer, and I would just go down and write page numbers and leave three lines for each page <clears throat> and just write, you know, real quick, like this happens, this happens, this happens. Um, but when I was doing creator on work, I didn't have a lot of, you know, books that I was working on. So I was working on one or two books at a time. So I could kind of like have a really loose outline and go in and I used to, the thing I used to always say is I like to kind of discover the story while I was writing it, okay. which also sounds like a load of shit, but it's like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if I was just telling myself that to feel better about how I was working or if that was the case. And I feel partly as a case. It's kind of like, um, I think when I get to the writing stage, I, I want some surprises left for myself when I'm writing, some things I can discover and leaving, I, I like to leave myself enough room um, that I could explore something that might come up while I was writing the script that wasn't planned. Um, that changed over the years when I started working for um, first DC and then later uh, uh, Marvel and now like just, and every other publisher in between where they kind of want to know where you're going for five issues or what, whatever that is. Um, and <clears throat> I got to a point where I was writing four or five issues a month. So I really focused on making my outlines as sort of um, detailed as possible. I tend to, and I think this is a, I don't think this is the best way to do it, but I tend to just send my editors very plot heavy outlines. They're not really like character heavy outlines. And that's mostly because I want to leave a lot of the character stuff for myself when I'm writing. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll write like a very plot heavy sort of outline that gives them every single beat, every single, you know, what happens on every single page, what happens by the time we hit, you know, the fifth issue or whatever. So I'll, I'll start with like, you know, for a five page or sorry, a five issue. Let me pull up right now while I have you guys on here. Look at my computer. I can tell you I'm working on a new book right now at Marvel and I can tell you how long my outline for six issues was. Dang, we're getting some exclusive content here. That's no, awesome. No, I'm not showing it to you. I know, I know, I know. But I mean, this is process though. This, yeah. There are people that are process junkies and they want to hear this kind of stuff. So let's see, for five issues, I wrote and sent in a 
12, 12 page outline. Okay. Uh, for six issues, sorry. Uh, yeah, 12 pages, six issues. So roughly two, two pages per issue. Um, and that's kind of standard. And I, like I said, I go really heavy so that they know what's going, in, going on in every single issue. There's no surprises. Just because the, the timelines are much tighter, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a train that needs to run on time. So I, they need to know what's going on so that when I hit the script stage, I can turn the scripts around a lot faster. Um, that's how I outline for work for hire. When I outline for creator owned stuff, I, I'm trying to go back to that one or two lines per page, just so long as I know where I'm going with the story, where my end point is. Um, but with things like this, this murder book catch and release, I didn't know necessarily where we were ending. I j it was a thing where I had a bunch of time on my hands and just wanted to jump in and just kind of figure the story out as I went. Um, so I'm all over the place is what I'm saying. I, I don't have necessarily one, one standard um, approach to it. It all, it really depends who, who, who I'm working for at the, at the point. So when you're playing in the Marvel sandbox, you would, would you say that that like, and you've gotten to do some really great characters that uh, I feel like uh, everybody loves like Iron Fist and X-Men and stuff. Um, and your process is different. Like, what's it like to play with the characters like you might have, I'm not sure if you did now, uh, grow up reading. Like, what, what was that like? How was that, how was that experience? Um, was, it, was it something that you were trying to do? Um, because I think some people go into comics with the idea they want to do their own stuff and other people go into comics with the idea they want to do the big two stuff. So where did you sit in that pile is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm both, I'm of both worlds. Like, I, I've always hoped that I could, you know, part of why I did catch and release uh, right at the beginning of pandemic as well is because like I've been working for Marvel now for four years, I guess. And I always thought I would still have time to do creator owned. Um, and I just, I just never had the time to go back and do it. Um, so for me, it did scratch two very different itches, but two itches that I feel need to be scratched. Like I, the creator owned stuff I think is, um, like I want to say it's more personally fulfilling, but that, like I try, I want to say that in a way that doesn't take away from the stuff I'm doing for Marvel because right, I, do, I know you what know, you mean though. And I, I think I'm, people would know what you mean. For that. So yeah, so that's a, a thing, but with Marvel, yeah, I grew up, you know, I grew up reading X-Men. I grew up reading, um, I, I grew up reading Iron Fist and, and, you know, uh, Logan and a lot of the books I've, I've had a chance to, to write are, are characters I, I grew up reading. So, uh, my whole thing is to try and with those books, I like, I like the idea of like going back. What I'm always trying to do with them is try and go back and, and pull out some old threads from older issues, some things that, you know, that had in, interested me back then that maybe hadn't been explored. Um, and sort of, that's usually my starting sort of jumping off point and the story can end up not being that at all, but that's usually where I start from trying to go back and rediscover what made me love those characters. And then, and then approaching the book from, from that position and not always, like, I don't want to retread what's been done, but you know, I, I, I want to at least honor what's been done in the past and, and make sure that you can feel the, the history of that character in the, in, in the book that I'm writing. You know, I think there was like, when I did Iron Fist, there's a ton of, Iron Fist lore in that, in that, but not in such a way that someone picking up the book couldn't enjoy it on its own, right? Like it, it's, <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, for me, it's really just sort of uh, trying trying to do something that uh, that feels 
like it belongs in in the sort of um, lineage of this character, but while also sort of forges forward and is not necessarily just looking in the rearview mirror the whole time. Does that make sense? No, it totally, totally. does. Totally. I mean, I imagine the pressures of writing um, a Marvel character with a storied history, it's got to be kind of nerve wracking. Daunting, time, yeah. Because you got it, like you have to please so many different masters. Yeah, it, it's tough. And you know, you get cases like, you know, working on the X-Men um, is real tough because there's been what, like 17,000 X-Men over the years. <laughs> um, and you will find that there is a fan account on Twitter for every single one of those X-Men yeah. who, who've existed. And if you in any way are seen as slighting someone's favorite character, they will come with, with chainsaws. They're not, you know, they're not afraid to let you know. Um, and it's tough because, you know, you can, if you're doing an X-Men team, you know, generally you want to have like five or six players on the team. You don't want to go much beyond that, you know, for, for the main focus. And, you know, that means you're, you're uh, not, using 16,995 <laughs> characters um, and, and people get mad and but even those five characters that you're you're using uh, and, and this is specifically with X-Men or X-Family everyone has their favorite era of that character too and and if you're if what you're doing is not exactly in that era you know you have um, you'll have other people coming for your head as well uh, but at the same time I try not to think about that when I'm <coughs> when I'm writing it I Again, just what's interesting about those characters to me, and how can we use these characters in some in a way that seems new and unique and not not something we've already seen? Uh, and you know, it's it, it's a tough one when there, there's been so many stories for X Men. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I rambled on. I, I, I kind of drifted off the question. Dude, but you're like, fine. Uh, no, you're, <laughs> you're, you're doing, you're doing great. Is, but I mean, this is the interesting stuff. Like, because right. when you were doing X Men, it was you and Rosenberg that were writing X Men at the time, right? And Kelly, and Kelly, yeah. And Kelly. Uh, so, Thompson, like, did yeah. did you guys have like a meeting where you sat down and like had an X Men draft and divvied them up, like, or did the editor of the group go, okay, you get these guys, you get these guys, you get no, these guys? No, uh, how that one worked, and that was much larger, larger cast than five, but uh, uh, we were flown down. We went to a summit in New York where we planned out. The whole series in the Marvel offices. Okay. Uh, Matt Kelly, myself, uh, Jordan White, um, I think C.V. Sabolski was there at one point, and and Elise, I, I believe. I'm trying to remember who was all there, but this is about two and a half, three years ago now. But uh, yeah, we just kind of sat down and and as a group, kind of tried to figure out what the story was going to be. We all came with different story ideas that we oh, that's wanted. And we sort of like, like almost like Frankenstein together, the story, like we took, uh, you know, bits from what each of us wanted to do, built a story. Um, there were things specifically I wanted to do, uh, you know, things Kelly specifically wanted to do, things Matt wanted to do. And we, you know, when we divvied up the issues, it was interesting because we, there was no clean delineation for being able to clean to divvy up the characters. Okay. Um, because it was three three writers on issues that were twenty pages each, and we reached being paid a third uh, uh, for those twenty pages. So the way that we did it is we we had our big giant outline for the whole uh, was it ten or twelve issues? It's been a while now. 
I think it was, was it 10? 10? I, I think it's 10. Yeah. I think it was okay. 10. So it's 10 issues. We figured it all out. And then what we had like very loose outlines and, and one of us would go and do a page by page breakdown okay. of that issue and then send it off to the other two. And we back and forth until we figured it out along with the editor. And then we divvied it up so that two people had seven pages and one had six. Whoever did the page by page outline only got six pages. Okay. The other people got seven. And we tried to get some sort of like, we would talk amongst ourselves about which pages we got, but we tried to, we tried to always have like, you know, whoever's doing six is six sequential pages. Whoever's doing, so it's not like we were breaking up by scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it, it, we had to, you know, we didn't have a lot of time with those and we, um, you know, we couldn't add that extra s stress. So, but we, what we do is then write the issue and then we'd all go over it together to try and sort of unify the voice. Um, and we, none of us would ever admit, I think publicly, who wrote what pages. So it was always right. interesting to see which uh, pages got attributed to which writer. That's, all, that's um, awesome. Almost always wrong, uh, which was kind of funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, but it was, again, you know, we had a ton of characters in there too. And so that, one, the, that was a hassle to keep track of everyone. Yeah, and that of. seems like, because you were saying that with the big two books, the, the train's got to run on time. This mm -hmm. sounds like you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So this sounds like it could have been a real nightmare. It could have been. I, I, it was not too bad of an experience. Matt and Kelly and myself are all friends and we're friends long before this okay uh we talk online you know we talk to each other almost daily so uh it was easier i think for the three of us because we've already had a you know a relationship before this and so it was a bit easier to come in and, and start working together um but so yeah it definitely could have been you know bringing in three people who were not didn't know each other uh yeah could have been could have been yeah, tough but that sounds you know, like a yeah not have you ever co-written anything before that with like uh, any of the, of the people involved in that or, or have you co-written before because no so i co-wrote on that mm -hmm. and then i co-wrote um on the first issue of new mutants with hickman uh, okay and, and those are my only co-writing experiences okay because th that's coming from us because we co-write together all the time and i can't think of working any other way now because that's the way that that bob and i work is is wherever someone gives the hot tag to the other guy like uh -huh. you're in it could be page seven it could be pay we don't we don't plan it out whenever right wherever we, we kind of do like a loose outline like you're talking about and then we whoever tags in wherever is where we pick it up from and we the loose outline is just to keep us both on track as to where we're supposed to go so that's why when you're when you're saying writing without an outline i was like i couldn't imagine because we we both have very different ideas going in like you're talking about both like have and and that's all we do is co-write stuff so it's like that's why I wanted to ask about that because uh, everybody has a different way of doing this in comics. There's no one right way or wrong way. So. Yeah, I definitely, you know, given my choice, I prefer just being by myself and writing, you know, stuck in my office. Throwing uh, on the drug rug, getting to work. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but singing a like, '90s hip hop song. That's what he's doing. He's singing '90s. But it's not. It's not to. Uh, that's not to. I, I think there's you know a million different approaches to it. Uh, I think. I just like I come from like I self-published comics from '94 uh, to 2010 before like you know getting in and doing murder book and all that sort of stuff and those I wrote and drew and did everything myself. Oh. So already like just me writing and working with an artist is giving up something that I I, I used to do. Um, 
And so I, I find my, uh, my preference is definitely for, for just writing solo. Um, that way I just find that like, uh, for myself, I, 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 you know, the, the, the success or failure is all on me cool. rather than me being able to blame Matt for, for something. <laughs> it's easier that way. Now yeah. you said you wrote with Kelly and Matt, who are your dear friends. Um, do you, did you have a relationship with Hickman before you worked on new mutants with him or did you guys just kind of like, Hey, what's up? I'm dude. I'm dude. Let's go kind of thing. Yeah, not really. Uh, he had hit me up on, few months before we started that to see if I'd be interested. He and I had met once or twice at, okay. at uh, Marvel retreats, but you know, he, he's not, uh, he wasn't someone that, you know, we chat all the time. And even, you know, the way that he works, it, it, it was completely different in that, like, <clears throat> he gave me like a, a, a sort of a rough outline. I beat out a, a longer outline for the issue than I wrote. And then the script went to him and he wrote and rewrote a bunch of parts and you know, it, it went like that, and it was completely just separate. Yeah. Completely separate. It, it wasn't like you know, with Matt Kelly and I, where we would be, you know, arguing story points, you know, in, in a chat with each other. Uh, it was very, very different. Yeah, that's cool. Um, oh, go ahead, Kev. I'm sorry. I was gonna say you, you, you said you drew, and and you, I didn't know you drew before, but um, but you, but you're a writer now. And then did did you start out as a letterer, so you could just like make your own comics from your basement in your like, bar. I like could. You, you should just do that. Like that's amazing. Uh, I hate drawing. I'm kidding. I hate, <laughs> I hate drawing. drawing. Past. That's why I stopped. I just like I went to fine arts and everything. I wanted to be a comic artist growing up. I only started writing because I didn't know any writers. Um, but yeah, after like 16 years, I realized that I just did not like the process of drawing at all. Like it's just, uh, I, I find just you know, it's a, I'm not saying anything that any artist doesn't know, but like I just find it absolutely just so frustrating and and um i don't like I, I have a very cartoony style so it doesn't necessarily kind of fit with the stories that i want to tell and so mm -hmm. i i would get frustrated at that sort of disconnect and, uh, <laughs> and so i just That's wanted awesome. to just do the you know do uh focus on the writing and and you know clearly that was where i started to get attention so my art is not uh it's not going to get me a recognized by any major publishers i don't think and i read too you just quit lettering as well like you gave up your lettering chops as well yeah so while i used to letter that's how i made my money originally in comics i started lettering comics um back in 2006 i guess okay. i started lettering yaoi comics for a manga publisher um nice. and i did that for 10 years so i i think i was writing at marvel and still lettering Yowie. Um, Damn, dude. <laughs> so for, for a publisher. Uh, up until I want to say I quit in either early 2016 or 17. Um, but yeah, a lot of manga lettering, but I also did a lot of stuff for uh, Image. Uh, I think I did some for uh, Oni and Image were the two biggest uh, publishers that I worked with uh, frequently. And uh, I did... Um, some stuff for Dark Horse. That's I cool. Remember if I did stuff for IDW, I cannot remember. If I, I wrote something for IDW. I may have lettered, but I feel like someone else lettered it. Honestly, I wish I could remember that. I don't That's know cool. I, I mean, whatever. I mean, you've, but you've done so many books. It's got to be hard to keep track of all the pieces, kind of moving and shaking. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's understandable. But Kevin, um, Kevin was telling me that at 
uh, at Heroes when he first met you, when you guys were all hanging out, that he was pitching you his his ideas for uh, for Iron Fist. Did you dig any of Kevin's Iron Fist ideas or not? Nah? No. And how, and how often does that happen to you when you're working on a big two book? That happens all the time. Um, I don't I, I don't remember any of Kevin's ideas. Which is good. Uh, but it does it does Kevin happen. Had too many beers. <laughs> it does happen pretty frequently. Um, but yeah, it's you know I'll get emails. You know, I, I have a disclaimer now on my site. On the website, on the, I saw yeah, it was where hilarious. You yeah. Email me because I literally had like a month where I was getting like emails from people who wanted me to do particular things in X Men or X Force or whatever books I was working on at the time. And one guy sent me a document that was like 10 megabytes. And, Holy and shit. <laughs> it was just huge. But, but like, the thing is, I can't look at them, I just have to delete them. Yeah. Uh, one of the worst offenders is actually my dad, who will be like, you know, he'll say, you know, what you need you need a, a like a vigilante who goes up and goes out and he he breaks the kneecaps of of those those turds who run around like doing those graffiti tags all over everything. They're destroying personal property. They needed a vigilante to deal with that. He's like, I think that's something that some everyone can get behind. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Um, that's pretty i pretty much did that that's what i yeah, did no, yeah. and, and not 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 real bad because ed was super nice about it well but ed he, seems like a super nice dude he was super nice about it because i was i was drinking too many beers and i just said some stuff about like how like iron fist is one of my favorite characters and then i didn't tell him that he should do it i was like if i got to do that i would do this that's got to be even worse though <laughs> it was, it was, was, it, was probably, it was pretty bad were we out eating thai food when this happened uh yeah i believe so okay, oh, no yeah. no 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 it was the night before um okay we, we right. were drinking we, you were drinking uh, um uh, i remember because i was buying beer for everybody so it was blue moon like you were drinking a, a blue moon um beer um because they had them on tap at the bar and then i i had already been drinking before i went down to the bar and then i had like three or four more with you and then right you know what and, and we're sitting, sitting with your a friend of yours uh, robert really, yeah yeah and, on, and he kept that. and he kept beating me up about about how i was pitching away which i wasn't technically right. i was just super excited for him and then my <laughs> excitement translated into telling him what i would do because i had like kevin's the puppet time. master pulling the strings <laughs> it's it's absolutely fine like and you know what like uh i was talking to kelly last night she's trying to figure out a, a something in one of her captain marvel uh, issues and I was doing the same thing. I was like, you know what you should do. So, you know, <laughs> I was just so excited. We're all guilty. Of it. Now, has anybody ever told you like this is what you should do, and they told you like, fuck, that's really good. Like, has that ever happened, or is are all the ideas normally like left park kind of whack job bullshit? No, some of them are just. Some of the ideas will come when I'm already in the midst of writing it. Right, like okay. by the time that anybody even knows that I'm writing a series. I'm probably three issues in. Okay, right? okay, okay, uh, that makes sense. So a lot of times the the um, ideas that someone will pitch me are just things that could never actually work with the direction that we're going. Okay, it's, okay. So it's not something, you know. And I I try, I try to be cool about it. You know, I get it. Like again, <laughs> like I, I I talk to friends who are writing characters that I love, and and I have to stop myself from. Doing it. I'm not always successful in stopping myself either. So yeah, I couldn't well, stop myself. I, I imagine, and this fish. is this is just me. This is just me. I've I've never I've never been a big X man reader, 
but their crowd seems like the most this is what needs to happen kind yeah, of yeah, kind of people and i don't know why but it's just i remember going to the comic shops and it was always the group of the x-men fans that were always the most like this is what's wrong with this book and they seem like the most kind of militant uh, uh I, kind of opinion havers i Without <laughs> at the at the risk of ruffling fe feathers, I don't think you're wrong. Like I think <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> X Men fans are very vocal about what they want. I think they're passionate. Passionate is the word. They are. Yeah. I, they are. And and you know, I get it. You know, I have uh, um, characters that uh, you know X Men characters that I love. I almost you know I was at the last X Men retreat that I was at when we started this X of Swords thing. At one point, you know, this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't read X of Swords. It's very early on, but at one point, um, it was possible that Glob Herman was going to get killed. And Glob Herman is is like my guy. He's my ex. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask, do you have a favorite one? And now you answered that. Yeah. I nearly flipped a fucking table. Like really? I was like, I was like, and I'm I'm a quiet guy, and I, I don't normally like get loud, but I was like pounding on the table, saying like, no. Like no fucking way! Like you can't. No fucking Herman. way! Awesome. <laughs> you can't do it. Um, so yeah, I get it. You know, I, I, in that moment, I became one of those folks uh, who awesome. come at me. So I understand it. I think you know there there's a bit of like, like I said earlier, everyone has their favorite X Men, and and they're very protective of that character. So if anything happens with that character that feels like a slight, or anything bad happens to that character. Uh, you know, that segment is going to get angry. You know, fortunately, when you're telling these sort of like peril-based stories, bad things got to <laughs> okay, happen. Something's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, now tell me this, Ed. Who is, okay, you've got Uncanny X-Men. It's your book. Um, Ed Brisson Solo, you're doing this thing. You're writing it. You're working with whoever you want to work with other than that. Who's on your team? It's so Glob Herman is the leader, obviously. He's so not the leader. He'll never, he'd never be the leader. <laughs> so who's, who's the rest of the Ed Brisson X-Men? Who's, who's the rest of your team? That's a, That's a tough one. So um, I think I would have Logan, definitely. Okay. Uh, I would have Armor. Uh, I would have Magic. I would have Glob. Um, so I feel like you gotta have like you know, Beast and Cyclops. Like they just you know, um, Jean. And with the Jean Grey, like I'm like, I don't know. It's, it, 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 it's weird. So it's either be Cyclops or Jean Grey. I don't know. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And then just Boom Boom. I think because I just like writing Boom Boom. She's like, oh. <laughs> and Maggot just because he's there. No, he's no, no just way. kidding. <laughs> he said, That's no awesome. Yeah, so, it's so cool. How, I, I feel like everybody in in the comics world would have a different answer for that. So yeah, it's, I, it's, I think so. Yeah, it's kind of cool though how like you gravitate towards which characters. Now, is there anybody in the Marvel universe that you haven't written yet that you're waiting to kind of like you're chomping at the bit to get to, or are you kind of satisfied because you've written like a lot of great characters in the Marvel universe? So. Yeah, I think, you know, I haven't had a chance to write uh, Daredevil yet. I would love to write Daredevil. Oh, yeah. Why hasn't that happened? Who can we contact to make that Yeah, happen? because that seems natural with yeah. your, if they're with you with you in crime stories. Daredevil's perfect for, like, a crime. Look, if, if somebody wants to take Chip Zarsky out... Um, <laughs> He's not putting contracts out. He doesn't want mm -hmm. it marked. But, but if you do, there's, you know... I'm not saying killed. <laughs> just... <laughs> just um, <laughs> No, I, I I like Chip a lot. Um, I hope hurt. so. 
You just agreed him on our podcast. No, exactly. that's you know what? But you just <laughs> gave was... us you just gave us some clickbait though. We can put it up. Who did Ed Brisson say he wanted murdered? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Daredevil's <laughs> one. Spider Man for sure. I think you know Spider Man is just kind of like uh, it, it is to go to. I think a lot of people come to Marvel and they want to they want to write Spider Man. Yeah. Um, I do have a Punisher book that is coming out at some point. I don't really? know what it is. So he was another character for me. That's fun. Um, is he going to get the graffiti artists fucking up people? Yeah, that, that's the whole that's, thing. The that whole is thing. the whole plot right there. Yeah. Punisher versus yeah. graffiti. Yes. He, Punisher cleans up the streets and he's like actually just painting walls. And stuff. It's Punisher property damage. And he's, he's just, <laughs> he's out there with a, a paint can and, and gray paint. Just, that sounds awesome. Yeah. That sounds um, cool, man. I did it for you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> they're my big ones though like it's spider-man daredevil uh in, in terms of characters i haven't written That's so cool. far uh my my oddball one that i want to do is speedball i'm a big speedball Ooh, fan that's a good one it's a, he, he, he's a good character i yeah, think i've always like i've always like fun i always like the new warriors but that came out in the 90s too like and that was one of those books where it was like they were promoting alongside like the new mutants and stuff where where that's when i started to drift away from comics and and get more into like speedball's a good one yeah he's fun he's a lot yeah. of fun i did a a marvel i had a one pager in marvel 1000 that was a speedball story um with jorge oh god fornes i don't know how to pronounce his last name but uh he and i got to do a, a speedball story with jordy belair on color that's awesome uh, that's and cool. it's just a one pager but it was it's a ton of fun that's cool uh, that one so but i'd love to do a, a speedball series or even just a one-off that's cool now, Kevin was also saying you're a big 90s hip-hop guy, right? That's true, yeah. Yep. Nice. Who's your favorite Who's your favorite group? Favorite? Man, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of all over the place. Like, I, I was a huge, like, massive, massive Public Enemy fan back yeah. in the day. Uh, I was like, anyone who listened to hip-hop in the 90s probably remembers there was that period when Ice Cube left NWA and you had to either be in the Ice Cube camp or the NWA mm -hmm. camp. That was a tough time. It was uh, firmly in the Ice Cube camp. Well, uh, No Vaseline is probably the best diss track of oh, all time. Fuck. It's so nasty, but yeah, it's, it's great. It's, um, you know, I love. You know, I think Naughty by Nature is one of those groups that just okay. doesn't get enough credit. I all think right. a lot of people see them as sort of anthemy, um, uh, sort of pop hip hop. But that's like, okay. Pop hip hop, yeah. Yeah, but Tretch is a is a fucking killer MC. Like, really? I think, okay. I think he does not get nearly enough credit. I think like in hip hop folks recognize, but I think, uh, you know, casual, casual hip hop fans don't understand how good and how influential he is. Okay. Uh, Black Sheep was another one that I love. Yeah, yeah. That, that's good stuff. Um, strobe Light Honey, dude, Strobe Light yeah. Honey. <laughs> uh, and Tribe Called Quest, a huge Tribe Called Quest yeah, fan. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man, there's a ton of stuff from back then. You know, De La big, Soul. Big De La pun. Soul. De La Soul, yeah, I love De La Soul too. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, that sort of, yeah, I was really into that that native tongue family sort of stuff That's uh, cool. back then. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a, a ton of stuff. I'm just looking at my record collection here to see see who I'm missing. But those are like back then big ones. I was huge uh, run like I started listening to hip hop in the '80s um, with Run DMC, and uh, I'm still like a massive, massive Run DMC fan. Which uh, is still. Which is crazy because the year that after that that we hung out at Heroes, DMC was at Heroes walking around. He was there went, that that year. Was it, did he you get actually, to see the concert? No, because I went out to get some food, and I came <laughs> back, literally came back, 
um, just after he like we walked through to the auction. I and took he video. Just finished. I'll send it to you. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, that way you didn't miss it. Kevin somebody, was Yeah, somebody dragged me out. I was bragging. Uh, we Silva and I got to go, and we were very like happy to go and uh, meet DMC because like we both really love Run DMC, so it was a lot of fun for how us. How can you and, not? I mean, they are a great hip hop group, and they have the best Christmas song ever. Sure, that's true. Christmas I in Hollis is the best Christmas song ever. That's <laughs> the only time I've, I found that I actually have been really like super starstruck was when I was setting up my table one year in, in New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see C and I was sitting at my table and DMC just like walked by my table like three feet in front of me and I couldn't function I like I just couldn't <laughs> even speak or whatever I actually just sat down for like 10 minutes just to sort of collect myself because I was such a massive fan of theirs growing up uh, and still like you know still have several uh, run DMC tracks uh, on my on my workout playlist and stuff so that's cool what do you bet <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm strictly, I'm strictly cardio. Strictly I'm just cardio. With you, yeah. do, do you even lift, bro? <laughs> I do not. I do not even lift. I do not even lift. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, because I've seen. That's the weird thing because I, uh, of course, I'm aware of Naughty by Nature growing up listening to hip hop, but I never really got into like their album stuff. So you're saying I should go upstairs and listen to Naughty by Nature on Amazon Music, and I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, throw on like 1993 or okay. uh, what was their, their first one was just subtitled, uh, self-titled. It was self-titled. Yeah. Yeah. So those two albums, like, uh, I think like the tracks outside of the ones, the radio songs. Yeah, like I think Ghetto Bastard and Uptown Anthem are maybe more indicative of what they were like on those first two albums. Okay, okay. They definitely did become sort of more poppy and anthem-like on later albums. Uh, But Tretch, you can just fucking rip. Like, it's it's crazy. Um, Yeah, you should give give them a listen. They're they're good albums. I'll check it out. Yeah. I think they they sometimes just get glossed over as like weird like one one hit wonders or or, or whatever. But uh, no, dude, he's tight. He can do it, man. It's weird. It's like what you say, Bob, about about um, Black Thought and the Roots. Everybody sleeps on Black Thought. He's amazing. That guy, yeah. He's dope. Like yeah. Black Thought's dope. I, well, I've people, always liked. Well, well, people think Black Thought. They think the Roots. They think Jimmy Fallon. They think ha ha ha. We're gonna play Tiny Desk. Yeah, but that's not like, it. Yeah. That guy just fucking wrecks he's, shit. No. On a, on a regular great. basis have you seen the um the 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 freestyle flow he did the 10 minutes on uh on youtube it's a uh, charlamagne the god yeah no it was it was a, what was his name i can't funk flex okay that's your, your he right. did a 10 minute freestyle on funk flex's radio show on youtube that is fucking crazy it i is. believe it man did he yeah I, i'm a big fan of i'm a big fan of the roots so yeah yeah that's awesome and brisson you are a well-schooled man in hip-hop and comics uh you're an elmore leonard fan which is like the fourth time elmore leonard's come up recently on this podcast oh really that makes me happy yeah because elmore leonard's the best like he's He's definitely he's that kind of guy that you're gonna get in you're gonna get out and you're gonna you're gonna get a good story man no i I, you know when i first discovered elmore leonard was when i was in fine arts uh my first year fine arts and uh, i discovered one of his books at used bookstore and read it in 24 hours and then went back to the same used bookstore. And I think I bought like 13 more of his books. <laughs> and I, I didn't go to school for two weeks. I stayed at home and just read Elmore Leonard for like That's two awesome. weeks. 
and then dropped out of fine arts uh, later that year. <laughs> so it's Elmore Leonard's fault that you dropped out of college? I think so, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But look, he would be so proud of you because again, you are like one of the most prolific and best crime writers in comics. So you must have learned something. I hope so. Right? So you're making Elmore Leonard proud. Yeah, well, if he's looking down on me, let's hope. That's awesome. Ed Brisson, thank you so much. Your Kickstarter is running for, you have, I got it right here. It ends uh, on December 16th. All right, so that you have, this will be out tomorrow, so you got 15 days. You're already over your goal, which is fantastic, so congratulations on that. Funded thank in you. Six, funded in six hours. That's got to be- That's amazing. That's got to make that you was feel good cool, about yeah. yourself, right? Yeah, it was, it was kind of exciting. It was very, 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 very nervous about doing a Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, it was great. Now, great did you get any blowback from like dudes on Kickstarter being like, fuck you, Ed Brisson, you're a Marvel guy. What do you need Kickstarter for? Did you get any of that? Or did you get a lot? Have you got oh, a lot God, of I hope I hope not. I, I haven't I haven't seen any of it directly. Well, that's um, cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I hope that's not out there. But, uh, you know, it's uh, I get it. You know, I think some folks I don't know. I don't I don't get it because, you know, Kickstarter is big enough. People can back whatever they want. Uh, and I, like I, I was talking about, you know, on my Twitter the other day, I, I feel like this project is a niche project that publishers just aren't going to take a risk on and take. Mm -hmm. it's, a, yeah. it's a hardcover, you know, a crime book, uh, you know, standalone. That's a, it's not cheap to produce and, and I can't see publishers taking out. So Kickstarter was the only sort of thing. So, I, love, yeah. I, I love how your tone changed. You're like, oh yeah, man, no, I mean, I get it. Fuck those guys. Like it was very, yeah. <laughs> it was very quick to like split that up and you did it like in such a, like yeah. a, a gentle and grandiose style that you have. I was taking a moment to consider it, but you know, <laughs> screw it. I like, there's enough room on Kickstarter for any, everyone. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a good place to get unique projects out. Uh, and I think that, you know, uh, there are pros much bigger than me who who've launched projects in there. And I think, there is a net benefit to that, that it brings more people into the Kickstarter. Yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. I was yeah, going to say the same Kevin thing. Kevin and I say the exact same thing. It's like, dude, if people are going to discover Kickstarter through Keanu Reeves and then discover other books on Kickstarter, perfect. Like that's wonderful because you're growing your audience because the direct market audience and the Kickstarter audience are very different. Like they don't Absolutely. really, they don't really kind of intersect. Very mesh. Often. They don't mesh yeah. really. Yeah. So and that's awesome. and if, if it takes Keanu Reeves to get you to sign up for Kickstarter to mean that you back metal shark pro three, I'm all for it, whatever. Or, like yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, because it, we, we all benefit at the lower levels from guys like you signing up and doing a Kickstarter because it, it, it gives validation to the platform that, people from the direct market believe uh, is for unpublishable projects, which isn't necessarily true, um, right. but it, that's the, that's a perception. So. Sure. I, I agree. I think it's a great place for, for indie. like, you know, I wish it was around when I was self-publishing, you know, yeah. <laughs> 15 years ago, <laughs> yeah, totally. uh, you know, it would, it would save me uh, plenty, but money, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great platform. I think it's a good way for, you know, people who are coming up to sort of get, you know, their projects out there and get recognized and get seen. Uh, because even, you know, if I have my Kickstarter up, Kickstarter will recommend other projects. No, oh, totally. Yeah. For, uh, for backers. You guys know. Yep. Yep. You guys know how this goes. So Ed, um, when can I send you my ideas for Punisher? Like, do you want those after they were done or when do you want uh, them? Like, he didn't I've have got any like, for Punisher. I got like 40 gigabytes of information that he's I think you need. He's lying. Yeah. It's all so, Spider-Man stuff. So you can email those to me at uh, masterrosenberg. <laughs> Ed Brisson, thank you so much, man. All right. Thanks a lot, man.
right, that was Ed Brisson. His Kickstarter catch and release is on, uh, of course, on Kickstarter right now as we speak. Head on over there, check that out, and uh, back Ed's book. Thank you so much for coming on. Kevin, that was a good get, man. That was a good get, Ed Brisson. You, you, you did it. You did it. I mean, I do amazing things sometimes. And if you want to follow Ed to hear about what he's writing next or what the secret Marvel project he was talking about on the podcast were or who he's going to merc next to get Marvel books. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's at Ed underscore Brisson on Twitter. So follow Ed, like give him a follow, tell him what he's doing. That's great that you love and come back next week and listen to word bros give you another awesome podcast yeah so uh thank you guys so much for listening happy december because i think this is coming out december this will be out it's tomorrow december 1st no, tomorrow's november 30th oh it's the end of november so you yes. still got some time uh thank you so much for listening we really appreciate your uh your, your patronage and all that stuff and, and your participation in the podcast you can follow us what are we at word bros podcast at word bros podcast one let word me sure, on, on sure, twitter let me make sure it's at Word Bros Podcast, and you can follow us individually. I'm at Kevin underscore Cuff, and he's at BFrance19. Yeah, at Word Bros Podcast. Don't follow at Word underscore Bros, because that was our original tweet, Twitter handle that we forgot the password to. But yeah, yeah, because so we're idiots. Yeah, it's at Word Bros Podcast. That's us. Word Bros Podcast. Follow us there. Subscribe on uh, iTunes or wherever you can find your podcast wonderfulness. And, and leave us a rating. Yeah, sure. Feel, feel free. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with more fun time. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com.